Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. That is how you reach us here 
We'll be so glad to have you to join us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. We're so glad and excited about so much that is happening, so many things that are happening around us, and so many people that are being blessed as a result of it. But most of all, we're excited about the strides that we must all make and that we are making as it relates to the issue of domestic violence. And so we want to uh, make sure that we get you uh, on the air tonight. And if you're there, if you have a testimony, you'd like to share a story, we'd like to get you on as well. And so I just want to invite you tonight, once again, area code 323-784-9638, and we will get right to you. And so I just want to say tonight, as there's just a delay in starting tonight, uh, I want you to know that we are going to – end at our time at 11 o'clock, I believe that is, at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So we will uh, uh, abbreviate the show in order to make sure that we stay uh, with the time that we are normally here. So once again, call a friend, call a neighbor, let them know that we are on the air tonight. This is Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, and we're always so very glad that you've joined us here tonight. And uh, we look forward to it. Uh, you know, we look forward to the things that we're called to do. We look forward to making a difference. We look forward to uh, sharing so much with each and every one of you. Uh, and we look uh, forward to making a difference from every walk of life. And so that's something I want to share with each and every one of you. I want to share that with you as we continue to do this work in addressing this issue of domestic violence. Once again, we are just a little delayed in coming on tonight due to the uh the programming issue that happened, but we are on the air now, and we did have a guest that were going to be here, and they were going to share and uh, and everything, but they received the same messages um, many people did, which was the fact that there was no show scheduled for the night, and very possibly we've lost them, but we're not lost forever. We're going to continue to uh, tonight to come forth and uh, share some things as it relates to this issue of domestic uh, violence and abuse, and we're going to talk about the journey to hold us. Tonight's topic was supposed to be about uh, recovering from domestic violence, recovering from domestic violence, which is so important to do, to be able to recover from this, because the fact, oftentimes, even after the abuse has stopped, doesn't mean the fact that we are now made whole and we're we're once. That is so much um, that goes on, so much that goes on inside of being made whole, inside of being restored inside of so many things there. And it's uh, something that uh, requires family. It requires everyone. It requires everyone to be a part of this solution. Everyone must be a part of the process because everyone is part of the issue. When domestic violence happens, it impacts each and every one. So once again, we invite you to be a part of our time here together tonight as we continue to reach out during this time. Now, speaking because of the fact I know that we lost quite a few audience people that called in and they received the notice that there was no show scheduled for the night, and yet still we're here tonight. And so what we want to do is kind of make up for that in terms of uh, being able to get people on tonight and uh, getting people to share. And I'm always glad uh, to have people to share uh, with us on this show tonight, and we look forward to it. So, um, you know, um, this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to actually go into just a few commercial breaks as we're getting uh, the audience back, those that are gone, and we're putting it out there to let them know that we've returned to the airways 
and we're going to move forward inside of this. And um, and uh, as we're doing so, we're going to ask that you would text somebody, let someone know that we are on the air. We are on the air tonight, and we look forward to them joining us on the air tonight. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us tonight. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is J.R. Thickland, and I'm always glad uh, to join you each and every Monday night because there's so much work to be done and something that we don't take lightly in terms of things. And there's so much uh, that needs to be discussed tonight, and hopefully we'll get there before we're all done tonight that we will get to that place uh, to really have that conversation that I think that will make a difference inside of so many uh, individual's lives. So once again, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us here tonight. Area code 323-784-9638. Um, there's so much that I want to share tonight and so much that I am going to share here in just a little bit. But um, one of the things I want to just share is really hearing the cry of so many people who are saying why they stay. Because it's so easy for people to say, well, why don't they just leave? Well, you need to understand there's a reason why they stay. And it's never because they stay. It never is because of the fact they're enjoying the abuse. It's quite to the contrary. And so tonight, as we move into our time together, why don't we listen to some that talks about why we stay? It is the question that I'm asked the most. Why did I stay? Why does any woman stay? And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are obsessed with it. Because to me, it's so obvious. Why does anybody stay with somebody that they love? You know, we've all been in relationships that, even if they weren't abusive, we're not working any longer. And we all stay far longer than we want. And it's you stay for the same reasons. You stay because you love the person or you love what you used to have or you're trying to take care of your children. When we ask, why did you stay, you know, we're blaming the victim for their abuse as opposed to asking, why did you hit this person or why are you violent or why do you feel the need to be violent? Why would somebody abuse, why would somebody beat the people who love him or her most on earth? Until we ask that question, we won't be able to obliterate domestic violence. We have got to focus on the perpetrators of violence, not the victims. It's cliche, but he really was Prince Charming. He was very kind and sweet and nice. I left what I was doing to come and be with him, and I was alone with him. I didn't have any uh, friends or family in the area. I couldn't find a job, so he paid the bills. And so we got into an argument, and that's the first time that he hit me. He actually threw me up against the wall and started to choke me. Um, and I didn't really understand what was happening because he was not that person all this time. Um, and so when he finally let me go, I thought, it was something I did. You know, I wasn't thinking to run. After we got married, it didn't stop. It just got worse and worse and worse. And 
I felt like I was trapped. At that point, we had moved from where we were across the country again, and I was further isolated. I didn't have any friends or family, and essentially, he still was the breadwinner. I was dependent on him. So if I left, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where was I gonna go? You know, who, how was I gonna take care of myself? I felt like no one would understand, and I felt like no one would care. The first full-out physical attack was five days before the wedding. Part of me knew I had to leave him right then, that I couldn't marry somebody who had done this. But then this other part of me said, but wait, it was one time. And I told myself he'd never do it again, that I was sure he was very sorry, and um, I didn't leave. I married him. stayed with this guy. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. I mean, he told me, and I, and I absolutely, you know, that's the part that is always <laughs> so interesting to me. It's like, you know, the standard question, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you leave? Well, uh, he was trained by the United States Marine Corps to hunt people down and kill them, and he told me if I left, he would hunt me down and kill me. That's why I didn't leave. I used to pull what he would call my disappearing axe, and that would be, I would, you know, get the boys and get out because I, it just was getting too intense. But I would always go back because at least I knew where he was. At least I knew the routine. I knew what to expect. But, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live to always be looking over your shoulder. He didn't start out with being abusive. He started out with being incredibly sweet and incredibly attentive and incredibly thoughtful and incredibly kind. And, saying things to me that no one had ever said and, and paying attention to me in ways that no one ever had. You know, and I was really taken by it. One of the reasons why we stay is because the behavior is such a drastic change from the person we met in the beginning and we're constantly looking for the man in the beginning instead of concentrating on the man that is in front of us. Once I understood that, then I made the decision, you know, I got to go. This is not the same man I married. I mean, I love him, but he's going to kill me. With every violent um, moment, I felt further connected to him in this kind of twisted way. I felt that, you know, we had this secret that, that bound us together and that this was something big and we were working on it and so we had to stay together until we worked it out. The violence got to a point where I realized that I, I could die. I had to create a plan. I had to figure out where I was going to go and how I was going to get there and who I was going to reach out to for help if there was any. I was scared. I was afraid that he would find me. I was afraid that he would be so angry that I left, that he would come after me. I couldn't just get up and walk away. And it was the most terrible feeling to know that I could leave and I still couldn't leave because I was bound by this psychological trap that I thought was love that wasn't love. You know, I had so much denial. If you had come to me and said, are you being physically abused? You know, if my doctor had asked me or 
a best friend, I would have said, no, I'm not being physically abused. You do feel isolated and you keep a lot of secrets. You know, you keep a lot of secrets in your, in your heart, in your home, in your head. I stayed because I believed him when he said he wasn't going to do it again. I stayed because I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to any resources. I stayed because my religious community convinced me that I couldn't get divorced because God would hate me. Um, I stayed because I loved him. You know, I stayed because he was the love of my life and I wanted to believe that love could conquer all, including abuse. internet you're probably seeing a series of advertisements please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio by choice to fellowship on facebook is a spiritual drama-free judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies scriptures music prayer worship and fellowship it is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences we welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. World 
Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Soar. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. Every Monday night, you find us right here on this network, and you find us here at 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock in the Mountain, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, this is where you find us at tonight. And we had just a delay in tonight's show uh, programming. Uh, definitely was set back for about 10, 11 minutes, but we're so glad that you've joined us tonight and so much to talk about. As you know, the month of October, amongst other things, is also National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It is a month in which uh, all over the where there's um, a renewed effort and multiplied attempts to address the issue of domestic violence that affects people from every walk of life. It is the one time of year where we do have space seemingly in our society to talk about this subject matter. And so those of us that do this work really try to make sure that we are doing it uh, effectively and that we're on and that we're doing all that we can. And so there are many venues that are happening and many uh, things that are happening in this month to make this a very good uh, month, for if you could use that term, in order to make a difference inside of addressing this very serious issue of domestic violence. And so we always try to have guests, we always try to have individuals that are going to be able to share with us, and those that definitely are in their process of that journey to wholeness. We recognize that inside of dealing with this issue of domestic violence, that no one is exempt. No particular uh, line of person, no particular social economic class of individuals, but this is something that is real serious, and we are very much committed to making a difference inside of this and inside of this arena. So those of you that are joining us tonight by telephone, that's area code 323-784-9638. We're glad to have you. And those of you that are listening by way of the Internet, Radio. Uh, dot com. We're also equally glad to have you join us on tonight. Now, one of the things I want to make sure that we get perfectly clear is the fact that we are about healing. It is a wholeness. We do believe that you can get over, you can recover from the issue of domestic violence. We do believe that not only can you recover from it, we believe that we can make a difference and we have a responsibility in believing so. We believe that Definitely, the person who is perpetrating can be made uh, whole if they're willing to be made whole and be transformed. What we don't believe is this. We don't believe that the victim is ever to blame when it comes to domestic violence. What we don't believe is that no one should ever, ever deny a victim's story when they have come and have had the courage to speak to us about the issue of domestic violence. Tonight's show was really designed to address a lot of issues, and particularly we wanted to draw from the topic tonight – dealing with the fact of how to handle this situation. In other words, recovering from this. How do we recover from abuse? 
How do we recover from it? Because it is so important that we do recover from this issue of abuse. And uh, we see it happening from every walk of life, and we see it happening throughout our society, and that is one of the reasons why we are tackling that subject on tonight. Now, those of you that are following us by way of Facebook or whatever, there is quite a few pages that you can find us on Facebook. Of course, there's Domestic Violence. It is your business page. We'd like for you to uh, go there uh, because that's one of our signature pages that deal with domestic violence. Then we also have uh, the Destiny by Choice page, and that is Destiny by Choice page there that deals a lot with uh, domestic violence. It also has connection to our website, and then, of course, our Destiny by Choice 2 fellowship page. Now, that page there is quite different in terms of, in fact, it is where you're going to find inspiration. It is where you're going to find uh, not only people sharing scripture and songs and sharing uh, inspiring words, but it is a drama-free social network right there on the Internet, Facebook. And I think that, listen, if you are connected with that page in any form or fashion, you will find yourself uplifted and inspired and being a part of that. And we're just grateful for our team and our senior VP, our senior uh, senior administrator who runs that, none other than Indy Harlem, who does a phenomenal job. She literally has been operating that page for, I think we're in our fourth year with this. And you cannot tell me uh, the fact that that is not a, uh, a great feat within itself to be able to hold together social network and social media pages for this period of time with people from all over, and we have quite a few membership inside of that. So, you know, we're very grateful for that tonight. Now, listen, we're going to call on one of our special guests that's going to share with us tonight, and she's going to share with us tonight uh, not only about uh, her journey and uh, her journey from being a victim to being a uh, survivor and a thriver, and quite frankly, uh, a journey that she's very much on, but she is one that, once again, we talk about she turned her pain into power, and that power into purpose, and is always glad uh, to have those type of individuals to join us on this line because they make it all possible, and it actually put a face and put, if you would, a story to what we're talking about. So I want you uh, tonight that as we prepare to bring her on, as we prepare to really have a dialogue there, she should also talk about the organization that she has started as a result of what she went through. So once again, when we start talking about taking and turning pain to power, it's about what do I do with the pain? What do I do with that experience? Yes, I was in it. I suffered at the hands of it. <clears throat> but what did I do afterwards? I often say that life experiences can make you either bitter or better. It's really your choice, which one that you choose. But I do know this. In choosing the one that is really part of your purpose, you will find out that you make a difference in the lives of others as well as not only do you make the difference in the lives of others, but you make a difference in the lives of people that you'll never meet. So without further ado, I want us to give a great, a very great hope and healing welcome to our guest tonight, one of our guests, none other than Ms. Tara. Well, good evening, Tara. Welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. Good evening. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm excited because the fact that I've, along this journey of doing this work now for over 23 years, I've met some incredible individuals. 
I've met people at different stages of their abusive situations, different stages of their healing. I've met many that have been in the midst of their situation, and I've seen many different results of people coming out. I've seen people come out and they remain timid and, and fragile for a long time, and there's no time limit. You can't rush healing. I've met individuals who are frightened and don't want to say anything else about the issue of domestic violence. They just like to keep it to themselves and pretend that it didn't happen because it's not something they're ready to share with the world. And then I've met individuals very similar to yourself that have experienced some very traumatic things and traumatic pain, and yet it's still there's an inspiration. There is something that's inside of you that says that I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I don't have time to to grieve forever, but I've got to do something to make sure that others don't suffer my fate. How do I reach out to someone else uh, to help them uh, along the way? And that's what you've done in the uh, in the way of your organization that you founded. I am who I am. Um, Inc. And I want you to talk yeah. about that in a little bit, but I'd like for you to share with our audience somewhat of your journey and how you've gotten to where you are. Well, um, getting through my journey actually was two years ago when I found myself in a relationship which was abusive, and I didn't know how to come out of it. It was more or less I was trying to take the cautious way of getting out of the relationship and not to alert family members, not to make a scene to and alerting um, my job because this individual, um, he happened to would show up at my job. He would make threats against my family member. So I figured that I could handle it all by myself by sitting there or staying there and trying to create a plan. And unfortunately, in my situation, um, the plan never took place. I was actually forced into making a decision when it came to a point after experiencing and taking on all the abuse. It got to the point where I got to my melting point, and my melting point was the day he threatened to break my neck. And at that time in my life, I was on a path where I felt like I was going to die anyway due to certain situations. So at that time, I made a decision that I was just going to walk away because either I'm going to die because of certain situations or he's going to kill me. And by me making that decision to leave, it ultimately led on to the individual having been arrested because I made the decision to leave. And, of course, he exposed certain things of pretty much blackmail. He was blackmailing me, and he exposed the very things that I was seeing in a relationship trying to prevent. So basically everything I was trying to prevent ultimately blew up in my face. So after going through all my emotions and practically two years of shame and hiding from people and listening to people talk about me and listening to stuff all over social media, exposing certain things, um, I decided that, you know, I was going to take the step and step up and be the upstander and make a difference so that females, young women, victims, so no longer in my situation and try to make a difference by raising the awareness, by educating. Let me be an example. Basically, this journey is more or less trying to make up a difference and trying to create a path for 
the victims that are afraid to step up, survivors that are still going through issues, the young lady, um, your young daughters, your cousins, your nieces, trying to educate, especially the young ladies, so that when they are adults, that they can recognize a relationship that's abusive. I mean, it may not be physical. Um, it can be um, verbal. It can be a various forms, and we don't recognize that. Sometimes we take a little gesture as being, oh, my God, you know, he's just being, you know, cute or he's just being, you know, protective, but that's not necessarily being protective. That's also a sign of an abusive relationship. So with all that, it gave me the strength to move forward and form the organization I Am Who I Am, Inc., which is an organization designed to raise domestic violence. It also allowed me to form the umbrella company called I Am Royal, which is designed and catered toward young women, which is pretty much the same thing, raising domestic violence and bullying awareness. Now, inside of this, now, you were very much led to do this. And, and, and let me say this for those that you're listening and those of you that may have just tuned in, you're tuned in to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and we have with us one of our special guests, and um, none other than Ms. Tara Kennedy, and she is uh, not only uh, a survivor, but she has turned her pain into power, and that, and she is discovering her purpose through this here. She is the founder of I Am Who I Am, Inc. And, Tara, one of the things that you said, and I don't know if anyone caught this, is the fact that your abuse, if I, if I got you right, your abuse did not necessarily go on for a very long time, or should I say you did not remain in an, that abusive relationship for a long period of time. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct. Um, it was a year and a half that I stayed into it. I mean, but it seemed like forever. But it was a year and Absolutely. a half of me trying to get out of the situation, and ultimately I did. And, and you got out of it. But when you got out of it and you got safety and all those things there, there was something else on your mind, and it, it looked like that you immediately realized that the situation that – you had to reach out to others. You did not want others to suffer the same fate. And I, and I bring that up because of the fact, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020. And one of the major questions is asked is, what are the warning signs? You know, what are the warning signs? How, how can I tell that's coming or not? And so I, I, pose, I, I actually pose that question to you today. Did you see any warning signs before this happened? If you did, did you recognize them as warning signs, or there were things that you just kind of ignored? Well, there are things that um, I ignored based, on, based upon the fact that he had a very stressful job, and the excuses that were given was basically, I'm just stressed out, I'm just stressed out. Even family members' explanation would be, I'm just stressed out. So I just took it, okay, you know, he had a bad day, you know, he's just stressed out, he's trying to sit here and please everybody, and just ignored it. But when it got to the point where, you know, you try to you ignore certain things and say, oh, okay, you ignore certain things, then it gets to the point where you realize, like, oh, my God, I'm really in a situation that, you know, the whole entire time I just been ignoring certain things when it's actually abusive. And it was just not the fact that this individual is stressed out. This is this individual's nature. This is what he does. And I failed to realize, you know, the warning signs. I failed to realize the little gestures, which as typically female would, would feel like, oh, my God, you know, he's just being a protector, you know, but it's not 
being a protector. It's actually, it's a form of abuse that we fail to realize or recognize. And so not only was it a form of abuse that was there, you, you gave a very important uh, statement there because oftentimes people in relationship, the reason they don't see the warning sign because oftentimes they are looking out for that person they're in relationship with. You consider the yes, fact where I'm they have a stressful job. Yeah, a lot of things get to them, you know, it's just a bad day. But that bad day ends up being a bad week, ends up being a bad month, ends up being a bad year. <laughs> And you find yourself in a situation that you realize that, listen, this is not due to uh, his bad day. This is really due to this person's temperament, the way that they see themselves, the way that they see me, their need to control, their need to uh, their need to dominate an individual. And those things are very important because many people don't recognize the fact that, you know, abusive relationship never just starts overnight. It's not an overnight thing. It is something that is happening. It is something that if we pay close enough attention to certain signs, we will see them before they happen. And, uh, and oftentimes those signs are not always of the physical part, the physical violence or abuse. Sometimes it is the little, nope. as you call it, sly remarks or the little... Yes, uh, it is, uh, the, or the little gestures. I mean, for example, um, individual love to cook. And I sometimes am not, I'm not that hungry so if this individual prepares dinner and I don't eat the dinner, okay, naturally this this individual is upset because I'm not eating. It's not that, you know, I don't want the food. It's that, it's that I'm not hungry. So that's what's a trigger for him not being, you know, not eating his food. And it's like, you know, a typical female or female would say, oh, my God, you know, I got a guy. He loves to cook. He loves to do this. But no, in in his mind, it wasn't about just wanting to cook for you. There was a control thing there. And if you don't cater to him, if you don't eat his food, then he takes offense to it, and then it triggers whatever it is that's going through his mind. It's another trigger for him. So then that escalates into something else. And so I mean, inside of that, what, <laughs> once again, even before there's ever one punch or slap, it is attitudinal things that you see happen, uh, becoming obsessive, controlling, uh, right. oftentimes uh, demanding that you even do certain things or you see right. what we call an unreasonable response to something that may be very simple. Those are actual right. warning signs, um, you know, and then oftentimes um, things like criticism. When they become very edgy and very critical about the smallest thing, nothing right. that you can do nothing that you say or do is right. There's always something wrong with it. Those are things Absolutely. that people have to see. There are things. So those signs were there, but like so many, you kind of gave uh, you kind of gave diligence to the fact of okay, you know, this is what's bothering him, and this is what's going on, and you know, and so you kind of was somewhat forgiving for a little bit. But the more you gave, the more he took. Would that be an accurate Absolutely. description? Absolutely. Absolutely, and you try to um, you try to figure out what you know would trigger him, and it got to the point it seemed like everything triggered him. Um, you didn't say the right word, or you didn't pronounce his name properly, or you didn't say it the way he wanted it to be said. It seemed like everything was a trigger. So you then you started realizing that this this is something is wrong. I mean, it's a mental issue going on. Me, there are mental issues going on, and you you sitting there trying to figure out like, okay. How in the world 
just you get into such a situation and you don't want to make an abrupt move, especially when you're trying to protect your family and you're trying to protect your job. And it's like, okay, you don't want to bring attention to that because now if I'm without a job and I really have a problem, <laughs> you know, so you try, exactly. to, you, try to, you try to do things to sit here and, you know, please, please him and try to come to some sort of, you know, conclusion as to how, how do you get out of this situation? And a lot of people really don't understand that, you know, I've had people judge me or pass judgment that, you know, I can't believe it did this, and I would not have done that. But once you're placed in that situation, you don't know what you would do. You don't know what went behind closed doors. You don't know what was said. You don't know who and what I was protecting. So if it, if it meant protecting my family, in my mind, what I believe was that staying there and trying to formulate a plan to leave was protecting my family. I put my family first, and want any harm to come to my family. Unfortunately, I kept in the situation until I can figure it out. But unfortunately, in this case, he figured it out for me. Absolutely. And so when we when we talk about that, you know, one of the things that in one of the clips we played before you came on the air, we played of testimonials from different individuals who talked about why they stayed. Mm-hmm. And not one person said, well, I stayed because I really enjoyed the way he abused me. Not one person said, I stayed because of the fact, you know, boy, I tell you, I love when he gets upset and everything because, um, you know, he, he just really gets crazy. But if you heard them, they talked about the many reasons they stayed. They stayed because the person didn't wasn't that way when they first started. They stayed because they felt like they had invested so much into the relationship and that they wanted right. to believe that it could get back right. They stayed because of fear. You heard the one lady said that said that her her husband was trained in the in the U.S. military, you know, to take people out, and he and then he assured her that he would use that training if he had to once you, against her. Excuse me. Once you have someone that's in that um that has that power, and you know that that individual has that power and has the capability of doing things, you kind of second guess about how am I going to be here in plan and escape do you just up and leave and you just leave your you know your family out there that's unprotected or do you sit here and try to at least in my in what I believe is try to come to some sort of plan and you know unfortunately it we do stay we do stay for those reasons because I mean like the young lady in my situation I knew the individual has the power to do certain but he has done it so with all that in mind what do I do? I protect my family. I put myself in, in that predicament to at least keep my family safe, at least keep my job intact. Because, like, once again, if you have all these things that are taken away from you, and, and it's nothing like but losing your home, losing certain things, those are material things. And it's kind of hard to get grounded. But at least I had my job. At least I had my job backing me up. And that's, that's the one thing I had, and I still have my life. So I thank God for that. <laughs> and I thank God, yeah. that, you know. I, go ahead. No, no, go right ahead. I, I was just, I, I was, no, I was no, just no. really just kind of. Go right you ahead. Know, I, thank, I thank God that, you know, I am still here alive and able to tell people my story. No, I'm not telling the whole details, but I'm, I'm telling, you know, the 
experiences that I've gone through and what got me to where I am now, and I am going to continue as long as God has placed breath in my life. I will continue to keep speaking, keep being that outstanding person, really like to talk about the subject. And it's like you turn a deaf ear to the, the subject, and it's always an afterthought, or they have to, like, personally experience the abuse or a family abuse, and it's like, oh, my God. But it's like, you know, if you get educated now, you get the knowledge. You are equipped with, you know, what is domestic abuse, how to recognize domestic abuse. You may also can sit here and say, oh, okay, my neighbor's going through something. What can I do? You have some resources knowing what to do, how to help a person, and not just stand there and say, okay, you know, it's not my business. I'm not going to get involved. But then when something happens to either your next-door neighbor or family member, then it's like, oh, my God, I should have done something. But all those I should have done something is pretty much an afterthought when something could have been done prior to. Well, one thing that you said that is so very, very important is the fact that we understand that, our that you know, this here is not it's not something you're just going to react to and, you know, and, and I'm gone, let me leave, because one thing we do know, is that a woman, especially a woman, her chances or the lethality of her being killed is increased once she leaves. When she does leave the abusive relationship, her chances of danger is increased. So when people say, why don't she just leave? Because she also understands that, listen, this has to be a calculated move. If I leave, now this person is even more upset. They're determined to get me. If I leave, I also lose a certain degree of control because now the predictability of where this person is and what they're doing, I don't know because I'm not there. And then, of course, you know, when we deal with the fact that if they have threatened us, if we ever leave, what they'll do to us, all of those things are there. And one part that you said that's so important, people never think about how it does also affect one's family. No, No, only the victim really knows what their abuser is like. They know whether or not this person is capable of hurting them, hurting their family members, loved ones, whatever they have to do in order to get to them. And so they consider all these things oftentimes before they make that move, and they want to make sure that they have things lined up. When people say that you ought to get out, you ought to just leave and things, I like to ask a question to them sometimes. Okay, so what are you willing to do to help them do this? Nothing. And it's important. I mean, nothing. It's like you, they volunteer their opinions. And you ask for help. It's like, no, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. And it's like, okay. And even sometimes I listen to people judge me, and I have to take a step back because sometimes the person that's actually passing the judgment, they, are, they too are in an abusive relationship and don't even realize that. Or they are an abuser themselves and don't even recognize that they are an abuser. So, you know, those are things that I have to take into consideration. Like, oh, my God. You know, you're just pretty much doing the same thing that X, Y, Z just did to me. Or, you know, you don't even realize that, you know, you're also in a relationship. Absolutely. That pretty much, you know, but you, but yet still you're passing judgment on me. Don't even realize or recognize your situation. But, and those are things that I, I do experience. And, and, and not only do you experience that, many people uh, from the outside looking in, uh, they make statements, they make judgments, they make characterizations, and all those yeah. things there. 
is unfair and unfounded when they're talking to victims. Uh, you know, it's a judgment. Well, I wouldn't stay there if I was you. Uh, they say things like, uh, you know, uh, you could have left if you really wanted to go. Uh, things like the fact you just don't want to let go of your comfortable lifestyle or your lifestyle, yes. and, 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 and be it what it may. Sometimes lifestyle does have a lot to do with it because when right. you spend your life with someone and you've acquired a certain lifestyle, you've been part of that. You've been part of that. Absolutely. And to all of a sudden have that to be threatened and you're going to lose all that, it is a consideration. And so sometimes, you know, people stay in when there's children involved. Well, I don't want my child to have to now go back to this, that, or the other. So um, with bated breath, we're waiting, hopefully, that this person will change. And as you said earlier, you, you, know, you start thinking about, okay, I'm trying to find those trigger points. I want to make sure that I don't do anything, say anything that's going to make this individual go off. Right. And, right. and the reality yeah. is... That they're going to go off, and, and you know, uh-huh. yes, and if you have someone that's dealing with some mental issues, I mean, that's even, you know, <laughs> that's even worse because now you have an abuser that's also mentally unstable. So it's like no matter what you do, you will never be able to save that person from his own demons. It, he is or that individual, she is who she is. And until that individual gets, gets help, they are going to be the same person. You're absolutely right. Those of you that are listening, you listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. We're talking tonight with one of our special guests, Ms. Tara Kennedy, who is not only a survivor, but she's also the founder of I Am Who I Am, Inc., and that organization that is dedicated to empowering, educating uh, people about this issue of domestic violence, and particularly in dealing with young people. What I want to do, I want to take a break, and when we come back, Tara, we will continue, but we also have another guest that's on the line that's going to join us, and uh, our dear friend, uh, Lotheria, uh, she's going to be joining us here in just a second, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to that, and we are going to be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Open Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is J.R. Thicklin. Be right back after this break. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. And remember, you can catch this show every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and 8 o'clock p.m. Central. And give them a call tonight at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. This is Thor. Two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You give Jay a call right now. And now back to the show. Witness. 
Spirit Healing or Journey to Holders. This is your host, J.R. Thickman, and I'm so very glad you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Just before the break, we were talking to our special guest, Ms. Tara Kennedy, uh, not only a survivor, uh, but a thriver, and she is the founder of I Am Who I Am, Inc., and Tara, just before the break, we were talking about the fact of uh, we we're talking about warning signs and why people say and those things there. But I want to bring you back real quickly before we bring on Lathuria to also join us here. I, I want to want you to uh, go back and share with uh, our audience there uh, once again a little bit more about I am who I am and some of the events that you all have had even inside of your partnership with some things that you've done with Macy's and, and also some of the events that uh, that you're sponsoring or co-sponsoring that's coming up as well. Okay. Um, July 28th of this year, um, I, who I am, um, hosted their first workshop, which was designed for um, girls grades 6 to 12, and the workshop focuses on bullying and domestic violence. And the conclusion of that workshop was a coordination banquet where each girl received a certificate of completion and was crowned. Um, this month, I am who I am in partnership with Florida Resource Center for Women and Children, and of course, Destiny by Choice will be hosting their um, first domestic violence workshop, which is called How to Recover from the Aftermath of Domestic Violence, and that is a free workshop. And that will be located on 2708 Australian Avenue, Suite 13, West Palm Beach, Florida. And if you need information, you can call me at 561-515-7753. And we're also looking to create a little bit more workshops coming within the next year. That's awesome. Now, there's a lot that you're doing because I also understand October 29th you're going to be speaking at an event down in Deerfield Beach as well and um, you know, being part of that event and not only getting the word out, but one of the things I do like is the fact that with your first event you targeted young young women, young girls. Yes, yes. And yes, why I was did. that important to you? Why was that important to you to well, target young women? it was important women? to me because a part of my journey, um, I found myself in a situation. I wanted to know where, where exactly to start educating um, about domestic violence. And I figured, why not educate, uh, educate our young ladies from when they are in their youth age? And once they equip with the knowledge and the education, you know, as they get older and they get into a relationship, they're able to recognize, you know, what is an abusive relationship because they're educated at such a young age. And that is so very important because the fact we do understand that teen dating violence is as high and significant as even adult uh, domestic violence. And for that reason alone, we have to do some things that are going to make a big difference in um, being able to turn some things around, uh, educate them, equip them while they're young so that they can, you know, that they can recognize these things very early on. And, and that is uh, wonderful what you've done, and we continue to applaud the work that you've done and continue to applaud the work that is going on. So the October the 27th event that is going to be coming up, as well as some other things that are coming up. And so we just greatly appreciate that and sharing that. I want to go ahead and bring on another uh, 
friend, colleague, and another uh, survivor and thriver on the line uh, who's been with us many times before. And uh, she's got some great news coming up because uh, she's since last time being on, it has happened. She's now the author of a book <clears throat> entitled Secrets of a Minister's Wife. And uh, she's continued to do some things to raise the awareness, and we are all doing some events and uh, together to make this happen. So let's give a great, big hope and healing welcome to Latheria. <laughs> welcome tonight, Latheria, to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. You're on the air. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Thickman. Um, again, for this awesome opportunity to educate individuals on domestic violence and other forms of abuse. Um, and yes, I am a brand new author um, and domestic violence. I call myself a victorious uh, survivor um, and speaker because it's exactly, um, you know, what, what God himself has, you know, helped me through. You know, we, I am a conqueror, but let's put it that way, more than a conqueror. Um, okay, to go on, I would like to expand upon, like, warning signs or red flags spoke about, okay, uh, because, uh, as you know, you all know, uh, just knowing potential warning signs is vital in preventing an individual from entering an abusive relationship, okay, and in addition, it keeps an individual from reentering another abusive relationship after they have left a previous one. Okay? Understand that. Absolutely. And um mm-hmm, that is it is so crucial. Um like in my new book uh, that is now available at on Amazon dot com. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Um like you said, Cost Seekers of a Minister's Wife, it addresses warning signs and red flags throughout the whole book. All right, because many times like I've counseled um, you know, in my past experience and even now, uh, many women that have actually, you know, left an abusive relationship and then re-entered another one and then another one. It's like wearing a big sign on the forehead, you know, that says, please abuse me. Just left one relationship and, you know, it's like it's like this, this attraction or, or this... um. This, uh, this this innate this, this subconscious uh, um, you know drawing to a potential abuser or perpetrator you know and that's like I said one thing I would I would love to speak about um, for instance um, like in my previous um, um, ex abuser and me he he used to like mash objects a lot that's what that way and first entering the relationship. Um, smash objects, you know, anything like phones, you know, throw them up against the wall, you know, or other objects too, especially at me. And, you know, at that time, I used to like shrug it off. I, I thought to myself, well, maybe, well, I did something. It's because of what I said that caused him to react that way. You see? Oh, he's, he's angry. Oh, my gosh, and, and, and this is why he did it. Maybe if I don't, you know... Don't, don't say those things again. Maybe it, you know, it wouldn't happen. Okay, and I, I know I wasn't alone on this, uh, on this, this reasoning, um, you know. Also, and I also want to talk about, um, 
using gestures, okay, like Tara, she addresses, um, you know, that point too. Um, and I want to agree, you know, with her on that point. The gestures are used to intimidate and form of uh, power control, like Pastor used that also. And I said, what, like, my ex-abuser, what he used to do, he used to, like, open his eyes, like, real big and look like almost a bully or intimidated, like, look, you will do what I tell you to do. You know, it's like we had this secret language when he sent me that way. You know, only I knew what he meant, even in the presence of others. Um, one time, uh, for sure, we was even in the house of God, right? Right in church, in the house of God. And um, he he did it right in the front of the pastor's face. He wanted me to, you know, shake his hands or, you know, be very, very friendly with him and play the dubby. And the pastor himself had no idea what was going on. Okay? And me look on his face, you know. And another thing I want to address is manhandling. Man, oh, and she brought up a, a very good point, too, addressing, you know, warning signs with young individuals. You know, sometimes I drive, I drive up to the school, um, you know, I have a daughter, and I see, uh, especially the young men, manhandling young women or teenagers, okay? When I say manhandling, you know, get a little, you know, you know rough with us physically, and then I, I, I see the, um, the young women, like, laughing, <laughs> like, oh, Oh, he's just playing. Oh, you know, get off me. Don't do that. You know, like like that. And I point out to my own daughter, I say, see that right there? Right there, right there, right there. See, that is unacceptable right there. That is. And then, you know, I want to get out and tell a young lady, don't, you know, stop that. Totally then, you know, that that's not healthy. Um, uh, also, one point I want to speak about also is pushing the other person into the relationship quickly. All right, like a, like in my case, um, he made sure, right, that um, even when I said, um, you're nice, you're charming, and he was, no, he, he wasn't. Let's say I thought he was like that because that's how he portrayed himself at the beginning, right? Like, you know, deceptive. Um, he's like, well, well, you, you you know you can be my woman and stuff and all that. And he, it's like quickly. No, I I I'm not ready for that. I I I don't even see you in that way. Okay, I see you as a friend, buddy. That's it. Well, no, you know it was it was more like a push, you know. Um, but I just you know just wanted to touch upon that. Um, I just I I just think it's crucial. Um, well, not only is it crucial in in terms of it. Warning signs <clears throat> are crucial for every individual. And, uh, and though we only have about five minutes left on this show, one of the things I want to bring forth is that in both of your cases, both uh, Tara and you and uh, Latheria, and both of you are still on the line, in terms mm-hmm. of this, um, I'm going to ask you a question, you know, and I <clears throat> I know that both of you are, are, are you know, you're, you're from the islands and everything, and I'm going to ask you, would you say that uh, – how much would you contribute culture to um, uh, what role? Uh, what percentage of role do you think culture may have contributed to the domestic violence that you uh, experienced? Well, for me, oh, okay. um, I never, mm-hmm. I never saw any domestic abuse in my um, family because I mean I grew up in a Christian home, 
practically was in church three times on Sundays, and my grandparents were very loving. So that was, like, all new to me. And But at the same time, she was the type of person that, you know, you're supposed to be good and see the good in people and be good to others. So that's just a part of my nature, which happens to get me in trouble all the time. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. I understand that. Yes, Sarah, she grew up in a very, very, very friendly um, environment. Um, okay. Um, and my culture, so we, okay, we share similar culture, uh, cultures from the Bahamas. Yes, very friendly, very friendly people. Um, yes, in the past, yeah, I did grow up in the church. Still, I'm in the church. This wife, um, and like you, yes, we did go to church when I, you know, as a child in the morning and at night. In the morning with parents and at night with grandparents, and we had manners, you know. For instance, we couldn't pass an elderly person without saying good morning, good afternoon, or good night. Or else if you did, uh, guess what? Your parents would know about it, and they would say, well, don't ever do that again, okay, because you must have manners. Um, another thing I want to speak about as far as culture, um, well, what I grew up on, uh, domestic violence was very, it was supported, and what it did was it Forced, you know, it, it fostered um, domestic violence and other form of abuse. Let me explain that. Um, okay, first is my mother. Uh, yes, I went home and my dad treated her this way, uh, abusive way. And the other family members, you know, was more like, well, what did you do to cause him to react the way towards you? Okay, and even with my uh, past ex-abuser, when I was going through it, right, at that time I reached out to my mom, again, the same thing came from her. You made your bed hard, uh, so lay in it. What did you do to cause him to hit you? What did you do to cause him, you know, to be verbally abusive? It's something you did. Oh, I know. You provoked him. That's what it is. Well, you need to stop provoking him. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, bring that out. You ever, I don't know if you ever, um, experienced anything like that among friends or other family members within the culture, like it was supported because the culture makes up who you are after like 80% of the time. Did you ever see that? For me? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, I have seen, you know, where there were like not not my family, but other families where, you know, they are, they were abusive and most of the times the women would not say anything. It's just like they really didn't have a voice. It was like the man was so dominant and just basically go along with, you know, with certain things. And of course, like I said, my grandmother tried to shelter me from a whole lot. And for me stepping out, it was like, oh, my God, you know, this really is happening. This is how, you know, some things are. And it was kind of hard for me, you know, to process. But, yes, I mean, I've, I've seen it. And, you know, you sit there and you're, you're stunned. But, you know, like you say, you know, even with, like you say, with the culture part of it, it's just like, you know, a lot of people don't know because it's just our culture. 
Yes, exactly. Is okay. For instance, is is like um, it's like they they think it's a normal part of life. Yes, or a normal part of the relationship. Like for instance, yes. um, we had I had this lady tell me she says, oh, um, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we 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 fight, we talk so yeah, he beat me, whatever, um, and I get you know beat him up. You know, it's all a part of uh, it's all a part of uh, everything, up and down. And then another one told me she thought that she deserved it. That what she said. He beat me because I thought, yeah, I deserved. It. I was like, you, 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 what? You, you deserved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, in you my know. culture, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have that many laws. We didn't even have a police. <laughs> we didn't have the police. So who were you yes. going to actually report it to? <laughs> oh, yes. So yes. that makes it that made it even a little bit more difficult. You have no police department. I grew up in a small line. You had no police officer. And it's, and it's just basically you're going and telling your neighbor or you're telling somebody this is going to happen. And there's no authority. No one can do anything. So it's just like they just accept it and just move on. Well, you know, and, and, and you, when we speak of culture, in this case here, we talk about, you know, the attitudes and beliefs that people have. And so much of that is also deeply rooted in gender roles, what we think the role of a woman, what we think the role of a man is. And so as a result of that, you know, people play that out. They play that out without ever really understanding or seeking to understand where your belief system is, where your, where your belief. One thing that we have to understand is this in this society we have to recognize the fact that, uh, you know, that people are to be valued. They are to be respected. No one has a right to necessarily rule over someone else and to, uh, to, uh, to treat a person as if they are beneath them is part of an attitude. It's one that says that I don't value you or you don't have as much value as I have. And those are things that we have to work very hard to make sure that those type of thought processes are eradicated. Uh, from our thinking. Listen, our time is almost gone only because we got on late tonight, but one of the things I do want to say tonight, before we are here even again on next week, many different events are going on for National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, as we just mentioned, and I do also know that there's going to be a book signing. I don't know, have you set your date and time yet, Lutheria, but we definitely would like to get that out to those uh, when you do set your date and time and place for your book signing. Uh, that's going to be very important to share. But also, once again, let's go back to October 27th. Uh, for those of you that may be listening, whether live or if you're listening by way of podcast, October 27th, if you're anywhere in the South Florida area, from 9 a.m. to 12 noon, we're going to be hosting a clergy roundtable. It's a clergy roundtable on domestic violence, what says C, and it's going to be held on October 27th at St. John's Missionary Baptist Church, 900 North Seacrest Boulevard in Boynton Beach, Florida. That's 9 a.m. to 12. We're going to address some issues that are talking about the role of the church in addressing this domestic violence, the role of uh, the clergy in helping the victim and the abuser. We're going to talk about resources. How do we connect to those resources? We're going to talk about a lot of things that are so pertinent. So once again, that's going to be on Thursday, July. Tw- I mean Thursday, October 27th, 9 a.m. to 12 noon at St. John's Missionary Baptist Church, 900 North Sea Crest Boulevard in Boynton Beach, Florida, where the uh, right uh, 
Reverend uh, Dr. Uh, Javon T. Davis is the pastor. They are co-sponsoring this event with us on that day. And then once again on the 28th, as you heard Tara mention, uh, you know, how to recover from domestic violence, an all-day workshop from 9 to 5 that is happening uh, in the city of um, West Palm Beach. It's going to be happening there. I believe the address is at 2805 um, uh, North Street Avenue. Uh, say that again. 2708. North Australian Avenue, Suite 13. Suite 13. That will be happening that day. And then that night, I'm going to ask you to join me that night even, and uh, we will be uh, speaking in uh, the city of Deerfield Beach. And Deerfield Beach uh, will be speaking there as well. It's kind of a different topic, but this topic here in Deerfield Beach, we'll be dealing with the, uh, the topic. I'll be the guest lecturer that night dealing with the subject matter of Black Men Matter. And that's interesting, Black Men Matter. We're going to be speaking some truth to power as it relates to the issue of black men and how do black men see themselves and how do others see black men and how do we how do we actually walk in the value of who we are and recognize the value of people and places and things around us as well. So I want to make sure that we take all of those in consideration. But before I go any further, I don't want to overlook this coming Saturday. October 22nd, our dear friend, uh, Ms. Sabrina Harris, the CEO and founder of House of Lavillionaires, along with our other dear friend, uh, Pastor Queen Hinkle, uh, uh, they are going to be having an event that is absolutely incredible called Purple Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Now, this is not Prince, Purple Rain, but Purple Rain. And, uh, and, that, and the whole subtopic is God made you a better man and woman for a greater purpose. And this is going to be taking place from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's going to be several different speakers, including myself, at this event. But it's going to take place at the Doubletree Hilton Hotel, uh, 4431 PGA Boulevard in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Uh, There is a a guest charge of $20. For more information, you can call 561-352-5418 or 561-502. 0853 and be a part of this many different guests spoken word artists uh different ones that are come and bring incredible messages in both uh art dance song in the panel and so in addition to those individuals we're going to have a guest speaker miss latilia uh salomon jackson will be there we're going to have another spoken word uh uh, poet uh, there, Miss uh, Elena Worley is going to be there, and then a guest speaker that I introduced a year ago, Mr. Purcell Porter, a male, talking about the impact of domestic violence. And we're going to have Miss, um, it looks like Miss Soretta Austin is going to be there, along with Miss Shantara Franklin. We'll all be there, along with yours truly. This is going toward dealing with domestic violence and abuse, sexual molestation, and sexual assault. Awareness is going to be a day that will be uh, very empowerful and insightful. And I dare not forget my dear friend, who I call the fireball motivational speaker, Ms. Uh, Coretta Talbert. Uh, she'll be speaking along with my dear friend, Pastor uh, Ron Hinkle, and uh, Ms. May Ring. I've heard May in her poet and spoken word. It is absolutely incredible. So listen, mark your calendar for that event. Once again, it's going to be October 22nd, uh, happening in the city of Palm Beach Gardens. And then I ask that you pray because I will then be headed out to San Francisco, Oakland, California, being a part of our uh, conference there with the um, 
members of the African-American Domestic Peace Project, but a national conference that is being put on by a safe place there with Carolyn Russell out of the great uh, city of Oakland, California. We'll be there October 23rd through the 26th. And once again, we'll come back on the 27th with the um, with the um, – what am I looking for? With the uh, round table there, and then the 28th, the day of recovery, of recovering from uh, d- uh, domestic violence in that night, and it just goes on from there. Listen, our time is gone, but I want to take time to appreciate both of our guests that are on with us tonight, and, uh, and that is both uh, uh, Tara Kennedy uh, from I Am Who I Am, Inc., as well as the Thurious. Sigler, who's coming out with a new book. Her book is now available at Amazon.com. Uh, there, The Secrets of a Minister's Wife. Listen, I want us all to take advantage of these opportunities. want you to also take advantage of opportunities to shed the light upon domestic violence. Ladies, I want to just go back to you with a closing thought. You can give information how to reach you or contact you if you like. Uh, go ahead, starting with you, Etheria, if you would. Give information once again about your book and how can a person contact you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, again, okay. Uh, my book called Secrets of a Minister's Wife, and the title itself um, came from God. Him, uh, this is Simon. I had a new, you know, a different title, like I said, but he says, "Okay, stick with this one." Secrets of the Minister's Wife, yes, again, can be found on Amazon.com. You can also reach me at email address, powerfulwoman2015 at gmail.com. Or you can call me at Erico 561-667-6250. Again, that number is Erico 561-667-6250. Again, don't miss this opportunity. This is a dynamic book. And it is to help individuals and families overcome domestic violence and other forms of abuse. Okay. Thank you so very much. And Tara, give us information once again uh, how to reach you and uh, and uh, concerning the uh, I am who I am organization. How can they find you? For for more information, I can be reached at five six one five one five seven seven five. Three, or you can email me at info at iaminc.org. Absolutely. So we are very glad to have had both of you on tonight. Uh, very good information, very good time of sharing. And I want each and every one, listen, remind a friend, remind a neighbor, this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and let's make a difference in the lives of those that are impacted by this very, very crucial issue here. Remember, if you're in trouble or know someone that is in trouble, the national hotline number is 1-800-799-7233, 1-800-799-7233. And uh, for those of you that may be uh, listening from different parts of the globe, you can always go back to this podcast and listen to this broadcast all over again, and it will be worth the while. And until next time, this is J.R. Thickland saying to you, have a great night and remember, there is no excuse for domestic violence. Till next time, we'll talk to you then. God bless. Take me to the king.
It's my own. 